Well, it's good to be back in the saddle again. And uh, Bobby and I did not play hooky. We went to the West Pittston Church, just to, down the road and across the river. And it was, uh, it was a good service. I got to hear my, my friend Shane preach, the CNMA church there. I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 121. I'm going to read all eight verses of those now, and I'm also going to be rereading them in smaller segments during the body of the message, so you want to keep your Bible open throughout today's message. Psalm 121. This should be a psalm, I think, that is uh, familiar to many of you. I often read this uh, when I do committals. This is one of the scriptures that I read. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Thank you for this word, Father. We believe that it's inspired of you. We believe that you have a message for us here this morning. So we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you might speak and that we might listen. And Lord, I pray that you use these feeble words of mine for thy glory. May I truly be hidden behind the cross of Christ that only Jesus is seen and heard. We pray this in his name. Amen. Now life, I think, is best described as a journey. Throughout our lives, we take many journeys. Some of our journeys are short-lived, while others are long and, we might say, more drawn out. Even our walk with the Lord can be described as a journey to which we're pilgrims, you see, marching toward heaven. That's our final destination. I hope you're longing for that. I hope you're longing for that. In Old Testament times, Jewish males were required to journey or pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year to to worship uh, at certain major Jewish feasts. The first would be the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which also included Passover. The second one would be the, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And if you were in the Sunday school class I taught today, the third one would be the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, as it's also called. As much as humanly possible, most Jewish males tried to make those required pilgrimages. They would even scrimp and save so they could do so. Sometimes when they traveled, they also took their families along with them. And often they traveled in large groups, both for for safety and and companionship. Along the way, it's thought that the Jewish pilgrims would often sing to pass the time, as well as to prepare them for the worship that lay ahead there at the temple. Bible scholars believe that today's psalm is one such song that they sung 
These Jewish pilgrims sang as they neared Jerusalem. And we also believe that they probably did this in some kind of a responsive format. Now as they sang this song, the Jewish pilgrims were reminding themselves, and this is our theme, night and day the Lord is at work in the lives of believers. Let me say that again. Night and day the Lord is at work in the lives of believers. Now that's encouraging words. That's something I think worth reminding ourselves night and day. Now for that reason, I've entitled today's sermon the way that I have. Night and day. Makes sense. Now as we plow through today's text, there are four truths that stand out. You're going to discover that these four truths, they build one upon the other. Now I might also say this, they're just as applicable today as they were when the psalmist penned them many, many years ago. So I suggest that you listen up and and take good notes. Let's begin. Now the first truth that we're going to discuss this morning is this. Night and day, the Lord's creation is before believers. Night and day, the Lord's creation is before believers. Now we discover that in the first two verses Of that psalm, Psalm 121. I ask you to keep your Bible open. Let me go back and read those two verses again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So night and day, the Lord's creation is before believers. I want you to picture yourself. Put yourself in this scenario. You're an Old Testament Jewish pilgrim, and you're traveling to Jerusalem to worship at your temple. No matter what direction that you travel from, whether it would be the the north, the south, or the east, or the west, Jerusalem is always situated on a hill overlooking the surrounding countryside. You see, that's why the Bible refers to going up to Jerusalem. We always see that in the New Testament. They were going up to Jerusalem. You see, when traveling, we often think of going up as going in a northerly direction, don't we? That's what we say. But the Bible's writers were referring, you see, to Jerusalem's high elevation when they were saying that these travelers were going up to Jerusalem. So you need to understand, any person, every person that was traveling to Jerusalem, they had to go up to get there. And it didn't matter whether they were coming from the north, the south, or the east, or the west, because Jerusalem sat on this high plain. So you got that? You got it? Now I'm sure the Jewish pilgrims were both relieved and awestricken when Jerusalem finally came in sight. After all, this was their holy city. This was their purpose for traveling. Their temple was there as well as their their kinfolk. Jerusalem would have been a place that that most Jews would have felt comfortable in. I say this because their God was freely worshipped there. And their way of life was common there. That may not have been true where they, they presently lived for some of these Pilgrims would have come from some very uh, uh, pagan regions. Now the backdrop of Jerusalem situated on a high hill reminded those Jewish pilgrims, you see, of God's handiwork. However, as beautiful as Jerusalem was and, 
and is, and, and some of you have actually been there, I have not. I don't think we have to travel just to Jerusalem to see God's handiwork, do we? I don't think so. I'm reminded of God's handiwork each time that I stare into a starry night. Now, I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. It's a whole lot easier to see the stars in the country than it is in the city, because the city lights tend to mask the the lights from the sky. And I've lived in some rural areas, so I've been able to see these things. As I peer into the heavens on a starry night, I'm reminded that God set each star in place. I want you to chew on that for a while. God put each of those stars in place. Sometimes on an extremely clear night, I've been able to see so many stars, I can't even begin to count them. And yet God put every one of those stars in place in the exact spot He wanted to do so. That's worth another wow. Wow. I'm also reminded of of God's handiwork as I gaze into the hills that surround this this valley that the the greater Scranton area is situated in. That's especially true, I think, just a few weeks back when the, the fall leaves were in their peak colors. So God's creation, you see, is always before the believer. But I say to you, it's also before the unbeliever. The unbeliever just doesn't recognize God as creator. But the fact of the matter is this. Night and day, creation speaks of God's handiwork. Night and day. Wouldn't you agree? I would say to you that King David agreed with that statement I just made. And here's why we know this. Let me read to you Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. David said this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens He has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from His pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run His course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. But I think we can take creation, speaking of of God's handiwork, one step further. Here's what I mean by that. Because God created everything we see, and even everything we don't see, then God must be the most powerful force that exists. I say that because it would take an unfathomable amount of insight and power to will creation into existence like God did. And yet, I say to you, for God, that that task proved easy. It wasn't something that that God had to study hard. It wasn't something that, that God had to think about before He actually did that. He just willed it into existence. If I may, allow me to throw a little more into the mix here. Now, some of you are very creative people. Peg Tucker, she's one of them. She created these, and I've seen her create some of these other things. Very creative. Some of the things that you've created is worth marveling over. I've got to tell you, even I have limited creativity. It's it's true. 
I can create trout flies from feathers, threads, and hooks. And you know what? I even catch trout on those flies. I even catch trout. But let me say this to you. As creative as we might be, none of us can create something from nothing. None of us can do that. You see, we need to start with something as a building block. I need to start with hooks. I need to start with feathers and threads before I can build trout flies. But none of that is true of God. None of that. God created all that we see and what we don't see from nothing. He started with no resources. Are are you getting that? Uh, The first chapter and first verse of the Bible makes that point. Let me read that to you. Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now I have to explain this to you. The, the, the Hebrew word for created is a word by the name of bara. And bara speaks of God creating from nothing. So God started with no resources. This is the, a task reserved for God alone. So I say to you, just as creation speaks of God's handiwork, it's equally true that night and day creation also speaks of God's wisdom and His might. Now, if you don't agree, try meditating on the position of the earth with its proximity to the sun. Have you ever thought about that? Let let me explain this. If the earth was too close to the sun, then it would be too hot to sustain life. And if the earth was too far from the sun, then it would be too cold to sustain life. However, it's just where it needs to be. Just where it needs to be. Nonetheless, I don't believe the earth's proximity to the sun has anything to do with chance or accident. I believe it happened as it did because God knew exactly what he was doing when he set the universe in place and he put the the earth just in the right close proximity to the sun. Not too close, but yet not too far away. Finally, I, I need to mention this sobering aspect of God's vast and intricate creation. Night and day, creation negates any and all of man's would-be excuses. Now, Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. Let me refresh your memories. Paul said, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So the Bible is clear. Creation, you see, points to intelligent design and not chance or accident. In my estimation, it it takes far more faith to believe in chance or accident than it does in an intelligent design, that God knew exactly what He was doing when He created the universe, especially when He put the earth where He put it. You and I cannot escape God's creation. God's creation is equally visible day and night. The question that I need to ask of you is this. How mindful are you of God's creation? How mindful? Are you always aware of it? Or have you become so used to it that you rarely even even give it a second thought? 
Now, even if the latter is true, it doesn't negate the fact that God's creation is always before believers. For that matter, it's always before unbelievers as well. If you don't believe me, when you leave here this afternoon, take a long look at the hills surrounding the greater Scranton area. Do you think those hills just happen by chance or by accident? I think not. I think not. That takes way too much faith for me to believe. Instead, I believe that God formed them just like the Bible teaches, that God put them in place just like the Bible teaches. Now, a second truth we glean from today's psalm is this. Night and day, the Lord never loses sight of believers. Night and day, the Lord never loses sight of believers. We read about that in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 121. Let me read that again to you. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Night and day, the Lord never loses sight of believers. Let me say that again, because I think some of you need to hear this. Some of you, you're thinking, where's God at? Well, God never loses sight of you as a believer. Are you getting that? He never loses sight of you. So night and day, you see, the Lord is at his post, keeping things in check. To put it simply, that means that God is always on the job. Unlike you and me, the Lord doesn't require sleep, nor does he require a coffee break, nor does he require a lunch break. In fact, I would say to you, the Lord is just as refreshed at 2 a.m. as he is at 9 p.m p.m. Or, or 6 p.m. or 9 a.m. It doesn't matter. Although keeping track of time, I hope you understand, means little when you've always lived and you always will live. I hope you understand God created time for man and not for himself. Can you imagine what the world would be like if God all of a sudden decided he was going to take a 15-minute nap? Just think about that. Everything would go haywire in a heartbeat, wouldn't it? Now speaking of Jesus sustaining the universe, Paul penned these words in Colossians 1.17. He said, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So the Lord is always at His post, keeping things in check, including night and day, watching over the righteous. Now that means the righteous or believers, because that's what we're talking about here, the righteous or believers can never get beyond God's sight. No matter where they go or what they're doing. Actually, that's true of the unrighteous. So God always has His eyes on the righteous. Even when the righteous take their eyes off Him. And sometimes we do. God still has their eyes on them. Now here's a good scripture that reminds us God's eyes are always glued tight to the righteous. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The next time you find yourself in a fix, try remembering that God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly what you're doing. 
And God has the exact means to come to your aid at the exact time you need Him. Nothing surprises God. Absolutely nothing. As a believer, you're always in His sight. And God will never let your foot slip unless He permits it or unless He wills it. And sometimes He does. Now thus far, we discussed two truths that stand out from today's psalm. First, we said, night and day, the Lord's creation is before believers. And second, we said, night and day, the Lord never loses sight of believers. That brings us to our third truth. Night and day, the Lord provides for believers. He provides for believers. Read about that in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 21. You follow along. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Night and day, the Lord provides for believers. It makes sense that if God is always at His post keeping things in check, as as well as keeping watch over the righteous, then He's also more than able to provide for believers. And that's what the psalmist says here that God does. Now, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, and many of you have walked with the Lord for many, many years, you're not surprised by the psalmist's declaration of God providing for believers. Because you see, like me, you've experienced God's provisions firsthand. In fact, many of you could even give a a testimony of God's provisions, and, and some of you even have done so. Rather than getting too technical, the psalmist keeps God's means for providing for believers rather simple. First of all, he said, the Lord provides shade by day. Shade by day. That may not seem like a whole lot. But if the temperature is sweltering around 100 degrees, and if you're anything like me, who really doesn't like the heat, I think you would agree that any kind of shade is welcome. And if you're anything like me, I'm going to be gravitating toward the shade. That's just the way I am. You see, without shade, heat stroke could become a a real possibility. But other than providing shade by day, the psalmist also reminds us the Lord provides covering by night. Now once again, on the surface, this may seem like a rather small provision, or maybe we would say it seems kind of trivial. But if the temperature is is really hovering at a mere 10 degrees, or perhaps even lower, without some kind of covering, then hypothermia would become a real concern. Those two seemingly small provisions, they remind me how deeply God cares for us. I wonder, when was the last time that you considered shade by day and covering by night provisions of God? When was the last time? I'll even throw in this. When was the last time you even considered air conditioning? Furnaces as something that God enables us to have to sustain us. Now, if you fail to acknowledge those two things as provision... Perhaps you failed to consider what James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Now let's wrap up this third truth. By taking God's two provisions one step further. 
God will 